Hey everybody, glad you could join us for another episode of the late edition for YakimaValleyHops.com and SpotHops.com. My name is Caleb Schwecki and welcome to the Heart of Hop Country. This is a special episode of the late edition because a couple weeks ago, right in the middle of harvest, we had an opportunity to partner with the Brewers Association, the Hop Research Council, and Draft Lab to host uh, HopSource. It's a public sensory evaluation panel and HopSource was a week-long event. It was open house right upstairs here in the hop shop we had brewers we had home brewers we had a really good turnout i had a chance to go through the whole evaluation process with chris swarzy he was here from the brewers association he walked me through the majority of the process we kind of recorded what we were thinking and like i said it was an open house event we also were setting up for our fifth annual fresh hop party which was a blast by the way but there is some background noise some doors opening closing some chatter so a couple interruptions so I do apologize Uh, Chris and myself we did also get cut off Uh, we weren't able to finish the entire sensory process Uh, we were able to finish enough of it that it should give you a pretty good sense of kind of what was going on up there and while we weren't able to record as much as we would like it does give us a good opportunity to connect back with Chris a couple weeks down the road here so if there are any questions, if there are some things that we did not address in this first part of the podcast, we can circle back to them. So if you have any questions, comments for Chris, if you want to know more about HopSource or the Hop Research Council or the public hop varieties that the Brewers Association is supporting, uh, shoot me an email. My name is Caleb, K-A-L-E-B, at yakimavalleyhops.com. Email me some questions, comments. We'll chat with Chris here in a couple weeks, and yeah, let's get those questions answered. In the meantime, here we go. Here's the first part of the episode, the special edition hop source, presented by Brewers Association, Yakima Valley Hops, and Draft Lab. Hope you enjoy it. My name is Chris Swersey. I work for Brewers Association, and we are a not-for-profit trade association in Boulder, Colorado. We are um, our primary our primary role is uh, to uh, promote and protect America's small and independent brewers. And uh, you know, my my job there is a supply chain specialist. So I spend a great deal of time in the malting barley and hop markets. Um, we uh, our association. Um, is a member of what's called Hop Research Council, and um, in that sense, we we represent um, our smaller members who do not have enough of their own resources to join Hop Research Council. Um, several of our larger members are also members of Hop Research Council. In that re- in that regard, you know, we we interact really heavily with the uh, the public hop research program uh, conducted by USDA. We're active with lobbying. Um, to increase the funding for that, um, which includes genetics as well as pathology um, in order to protect the hop crop, and then also includes a breeding component. And um, last year we signed a trust agreement with USDA to, to fund a breeder, um, another, a third full-time USDA breeding position at, um, at Prosser, Washington. And uh, there's plenty of, of public 
public hot material at Prosser uh, that's been there for several years, and we're trying to sift through that, plus some of the, the Oregon varieties from the USDA breeder in Corvallis to see if there's um, you know, public material that uh, is of interest to brewers. And that's, that's where HopSource uh, came from. The idea was to leverage brand new um, hop sensory methods uh, to test these varieties and um, run them past a lot of brewers' noses and see if there's interest in, uh, in any of the varieties that are on the shelf right now. And over time, it'll become a way of testing the new, the new pipeline of varieties that come from the breeding program. Awesome. Okay, so there was there was a lot of a lot of stuff in there. Uh, Hop source. So that's this week long project that Correct. you've been here. Would you be able to go back and talk a little bit more about the public versus private? Um, sure. Could you? Because a lot of folks don't even realize that there are public genetics, private genetics, and yeah, just talk a little a little bit about that. You bet. It's very that's a, that's a very important uh, distinction. I think, you know. Um, uh, up until about maybe 15 years ago, all you know, all or nearly all hop varieties that were available were developed in the public sector. And in contrast, over the last 10 or 15 years, I think it's fair to say, you know, most, not all, but nearly all of the really successful new varieties have been licensed varieties or, or privately held, if you will, like you know Simcoe or Amarillo, Citra, etc. You know, brewers and drinkers love those varieties. So, you know, our our goal here is to um, invest more in on the public side so that we have vigorous public varieties as well. Um, we, our, our board of directors, um, which are you know our craft brewery members, has spoken, and they they want both. They want um, you know a, a market that is um, you know is characterized by having both you know healthy healthy private varieties as well as healthy public varieties that you know that drinkers and brewers. Uh, you know, love to, to brew with and, and, uh, and drink the beers made out of. Why is it that the bulk of the varieties, the popular varieties, have been private? That's a great question. You know, the, um, the, the private breeding programs have been very, very good at not only developing good varieties, um, you know, with, with the characteristics that brewers want, but also connecting with brewers to commercialize them. So it's one thing to make a cross and to and to test it, you know, for disease resistance and to and to grow more of it. Um, but in the end, you have to figure out, you know, if you've got you know dozens of those, you have to figure out if any of them really click with brewers. And they've been very very good. Uh, credit to them uh, for reaching out to their brewer customers and trialing new varieties and seeing if there's interest there. And they've over time they've you know they've identified some winners in there. Mm -hmm. And they've, they've been really good at that. And in contrast, on the public side, we really haven't had a, you know, a concerted effort to do exactly that, to, you know, to connect with brewers, and to, to get that material in front of brewers you know, for initial assessment and then for brewing trials and so forth. And we see that as our role as an association to help that, help that process along. Well, and you talk about over time, and it is a process. Could you talk about how long of a process, you know, like from hey, we got this cross to, hey, let's brew a beer with it. Sure, it can, you know, if all, if all the stars line up, it's, you know, it's a minimum of 10 or 12 years, but it's more like 12 to 15, you know, from the time a cross is made. And, and then for the first couple of years screening it, you know, for disease, you end up killing 90, 90 to 95% of all the, the seedlings that, that come up um, because, you know, if it won't grow, there's no, you know, there's no reason to try and even commercialize it. And then the next several years, you know, years, uh, three, four, five are, are based on agronomics, seeing if something will yield so that it's profitable for the grower as well as for the brewer. 
Um, and then in year seven to nine, um, that's the beginning of uh, you know doing some chemistry on it, doing some sensory testing on it, and seeing if there's interest there, right? Seeing if, if it's worth putting through the clean plant network, if it's worth um, you know increasing the acreage, like taking it from several hills up to an acre to get it in the hands of brewers. And it's that middle it's that middle time period, that year seven to nine period, that we're focusing on with this. That's been the the real bottleneck for I think it's fair to say for a, at least a few decades on the public side. And um, so it does take time. It takes time for each individual variety. And it's a continual process. Every year there's new crosses coming through the, the system. And so this is one of those things that, that really has to happen every year and, and uh, just become part of that, that structure, that, you know, that, that overall breeding structure. There are so many, so many moving parts that have to line up for a, a variety to gain acceptance. And um, anyway, so this is the first time, first time we've done this. And, we're very proud to, to partner with Yakima Valley Hops. You guys have been terrific hosts, and we're very proud to partner with Draft Lab, which is um, an independent sensory company owned by um, a very talented sensory specialist, um, Lindsay Barr from New Belgium. So we're, we've been very proud to, to, uh, to partner with both you guys and, and with Draft Lab in this um, and, to, uh, and to, to start out to take this first step. Well, excellent. Um, we can get into these samples here pretty quickly, but uh, how has the response been? It's been super. Um, you know, we advertised this with our membership and also through Hop Research Council. You know, um, we've, you guys were kind enough to set a nice table for us here. This is great, great space. Um, it's very welcoming. But, um, you know, we, we wanted brewers of all shapes and sizes to come through and to get, excite, get excited about public breeding. And, uh, and to put their noses past these varieties. So, you know, for statistical significance, we need at least 20 evaluations, and we've gotten way more than that on every single flight that we've done. Excellent. And yeah. it's been commercial brewers and home brewers and big guys, small guys Correct. all around. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. Yep. Okay. And it's been great. Excellent. Yeah, really good feed. I think we've had well over 200 people come through this week, which is phenomenal. That is a good number. Yeah, it's great. That is a good number. All right, uh, let's get into these <clears throat> numbers. Uh, could you kind of explain? I see some black jars here on the table. We have our iPads in front of us, and they're loaded up with Draft Lab. Sure. So, um, so what we're staring at is um, on the one end of the table that we're sitting at are, are six black jars. Um, so you can't see the sample inside. Um, they've got a random three-digit number on them. And at the other and, and so for these six samples, we're going to do what's called descriptive. So we're going to open the jar, we'll tip the jar once, we'll smell it, and then we'll try to um, assess the variety for what we're smelling. You know, if it's fruity or um, grassy, pine, tropical, if it's got, you know, onion, garlic, like from a late pick, something like that. Um, but we're going to try and uh, um, attach um, different at sensory attributes to the variety put them in the app and then you know the sensory specialist will roll up all the data and see what each variety smells like to, to most people and then at the other end of the table we have six more uh, six more jars and um, six more samples and those are for what's called liking um, so it's a purely hedonic um, reaction to the variety do you love it do you hate it everything in between and it's pretty simple you just pick the pick the level um, that that is most appropriate to you you put it in there and then in coming weeks the you know our, our um, the sensory company will, Draft Lab will roll up the data, figure out if there are varieties that really click for people, um, 
again, we're crowdsourcing, you know, with the, with the power of big numbers of people, big high, high end for statistical significance, instead of just waiting for, you know, for one brewer to go through a field and pick one variety. We're doing the opposite. We're, we're actively measuring liking and, and acceptance by brewers. So it's a very different way of, of thinking about, about how we bring hops, you know, to commercialization. And, um, and then, you know, between the descriptors, the sensory attributes and the liking, the sensory specialist can then also figure out if there are certain attributes that correspond to liking as well, uh, which is really interesting to be able to, to look at the different samples back and forth and figure out what it is that's driving liking in today's brewing industry. Right, right, interesting. Okay, yeah, let's, uh, let's get into this. Sounds good. So we got a sign in here. You and I will be the first two, uh, first two evaluators today. And normally people don't talk about this. Normally this is a silent process. You know, you, you, you know, report what you smell. You don't talk about it because having preconceived notions does, does affect it. But silence, as you put it, is no fun. So Silence is no fun on a podcast. Yeah, so we'll, so we'll, we'll talk our way through these. Perfect. My first one is called 121. All right, 121. I suppose if we both if we both do the same one, then we can we can yeah. once we get them in there, we can talk about them. Uh, could you could you speak a little on the process of smelling? I know it seems kind of simple, but it, is it? Um, you know, it's one of those things that you get better at over time because um, what you're smelling is highly complex. There are you know thousands of chemistries going on in each variety, and they're all different. They've all got their own fingerprint. Over time, you get better and better at figuring out what it is you're smelling, you know. And what we're looking at on the screen here is, looks like eight attributes. Um, it goes from tropical through stone fruit, floral, citrus, herbal grassy, pine, woody earthy, and then onion garlic. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, the, the goal here is to pick up to three. You can pick more, um, but three is, three is most valuable. All right. Uh, was there anything in, in sample 121 that jumped out to you initially? Oh, I was going to ask you to do the same thing. You you yeah. Uh, what what it, did you get out of it? It was herbal. It was floral. I, I don't know if it was quite, quite fruity, um, but it was, it was pretty mild. It was very pleasant. There wasn't anything objectionable about it, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't quite qualify it as citrus. I would definitely do the, the herbal grassy maybe a little floral, um, and then I'd probably take another sniff at it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, uh, one, th one thing that stands out here, I, I definitely didn't get woody earthy um, or the onion garlic. So this to me, this variety smells like it was picked just about the right time, you know? So sometimes onion garlic can be a, um, an indicator of a variety that, w that, was, that hung a little too long on the vine be before it got picked. Mm -hmm. I didn't get any of that. Right, so uh, not to interrupt, but every variety does have a, a picking window. You know, some varieties are a couple days, some are a couple mm -hmm. hours. Uh, yeah, yeah, some of them pick later in the year than others. It's like, um, just like any, any crop, you know, they all come in at different times, you know. And um, if you think about, think about hops like apples, you know, like, um, you know, you don't pick an apple when it's when it's green, you know, hard and green on the tree. It's too early, um, and you don't want to pick it really late when it's brown and rotting up there either. You want to pick it when it's bright and red and sweet. Same thing with hops. You know, they, they go through that whole that whole progression there, and oftentimes if it's just kind of herbal or sort of well, not so much herbal, but just kind of grassy or just sort of vegetal, then maybe it's an early pick. You know, the lupulin hasn't developed yet and it hasn't gotten its personality. Just like with a green apple, you know, not a lot of sweetness or character. And then on the flip side, if it's really late, you know, if it's starting to kind of go, go past its prime, it'll, it'll develop some OG or onion garlic. 
And so we're looking for that window in between, and it's really hard to do. Um, it's hard, especially in a, in, a, in, a, in a yard with thousands, literally thousands of experimental varieties. It's very difficult for the, the, field, the field manager to monitor every single hill. Um, you know, to do that, you, a lot of it is sort of by sight. And then once you, once you get more dialed into a particular variety, um, you know, after a year or two, you can kind of figure it out. Um, the, the best way to do, you know, the old proxy for, for, for picking, picking maturity was what's called dry matter. Um, and that works fairly well, but a better proxy is, is to look at the actual lupulin glands. And you can, you know, with a, with a, a sharp razor and, uh, and a magnifying glass, you can actually see the lupulin glands change every day. And once they get full and start to, start to turn that bright yellow color, then they're getting pretty close. Right. Hey, how's it going? Good. I just wondered where to set the pizza card up. Do you know by any chance? Uh, did... Yeah, John, John, John has the answers, but I'm excited. I'm definitely going to eat a bunch. <laughs> um, yeah, so the lupulin glands, and typically they start out as like a, a, a very light, bright yellow, and then they kind of grow like amber, orangish, and then end up brown if they're overripe, right? That's correct, yeah. And so you can see them change mm -hmm. in color. You can also see the shape change. You know, when they're really small, they look tiny, and then they start to get a little bigger, and they look kind of like a, like a donut maybe or a, something like that. And then as they fill out and they get brighter and brighter yellow, they, they, they fill and they become you know, sort of a, a sphere shape instead of a squashed donut shape. And then, you know, a lot of them, when, the, when, that, when that lupulin is really getting full and, and the oil is at its maximum development, sometimes they'll, they'll kind of get a little point off to the side, so they look sort of teardrop shaped, kind of. Okay. And that's usually, that's usually about when they're either full round or even starting to extend a little bit. That's about when they're, when they're at their prime, that nice deep yellow color. Yeah. And then, like you say, when they start to turn orange, um, you know, really deep, deep yellow or orange, maybe they're starting to get past their prime. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Well, uh, so I did go back and I, I did add citrus to this one. I'm, I'm getting something kind of zesty out of it. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, so my three, I picked floral, citrus, herbal grassy. Nice. And I, I went citrus. That was the first one I picked. I got some pine on this one, which was really nice. And then I, I got stone fruit off of it. And this just show, serves to show the difference between people. You know, we all, we, everybody has a different palate and a different, you know, a different genetic makeup, which affects how we smell and taste things. Mm -hmm. And there's no right or wrong here. Um, it's simply what you get. And then the power of all those numbers, you know, from 20 or 30 or 40 people smelling each variety, you know, you can see how intense those those attributes were across a wide section of people. Right. And right. Uh, anyway, so on this one, um, I, I definitely got the citrus with you. Okay. The stone fruit I got was a little hint of it was like peach or nectarine maybe oh, in the background. It was kind of yeah. kind of cool. Um, but anyway, that was a that was a neat variety and and very well made a very well made sample. You know, just lots going on, really intense aroma and, and nothing off. You know, right. Didn't didn't smell early like grassy and it didn't smell late like OG. Just just a really neat variety. Yeah, perfect. Kind of want to know what it is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go peek and cheat later. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Let's go for another one. This right. one's called 322. 322. All right. For me, that one, that one's pretty much all right down on the bottom here. I do get pine. I get woody earthy. I don't quite get onion garlic, but it is close. Not in a bad way, though. Um, yep. I'm with you on the woody earthy. I did get like an herbal, an herbal thing. Mm. Um, kind of not like dill, maybe more like celery kind of. And then I did get some OG on it. I'm, I'm, turns out I, I'm hypersensitive to that. Um, which is not a good thing necessarily, but but that's what I got. So this one was really different, you know. Couldn't couldn't have been more different from the first one, right? Right. Yeah. And it serves to show the point. I mean, 
every one of these samples will have its own its own unique fingerprint, you know, and its own sort of word gram, you know, that the in in the attributes once the data gets worked up and right. and you know, so it'll have its own fingerprint, its own sensory fingerprint. The other thing to remember is that that fingerprint will wander year to year and farm to farm. So terroir values really matter. Mm -hmm. um, the climate really matters each year, and so does post-harvest processing. You know, they can uh, the the grower can can definitely change the outcome of that variety by how they you know what kilning temperature they use, how long it spends in there, the airflow, um, whether it's stored nice and cold or not after it's done drying. All those things really really matter. You know, just like. Again, just like the apple, you know, if you're storing it nice and cool, or if it's stored hot and it gets sweated out, um, same same exact kind of thing. Right, right. Well, and two, uh, the popularity of a variety can impact a farmer's uh, decision on when to pick. If they have a very in-demand hop that is ripe at the exact same time as a not in-demand hop, they might bump that second one, which then does kind of impact. Uh, I impact how it's used, how it's perceived, and how it comes across in the beer. So yeah, having demand for the hop in the beer does kind of pushes the growers, the farmers, in the right direction. That's for sure. And you know, depending on the variety, you know, they might have two varieties that you know where the harvest window overlaps by several days. If um, you know, if there's a variety that can hang a little longer, let's say if it's an alpha variety and it doesn't have quite the quite the aroma requirement, you know where it might start to go off if it's picked a little late. They might make that alpha variety hang a little, you know, an extra day or two while they're getting the, the last of the aromas off because they know that that, that that aroma variety, you know, it has to come off or else it'll start to go OG or, or it'll just change out of spec for their brewery customers. A lot of the growers, you know, they definitely understand what the requirements are for their brewers and they want to they get that variety in at just the peak of, of, uh, of perfection, um, you know, for, for that variety. All right, next one up is 990. What'd you get there? Not, not a whole lot. Um, I did get some floral, it's pretty light. Um, and, then, and then I did just toss in the, the herbal grassy. Mm -hmm. um, but that, yeah, there, there wasn't anything big or bold about it. Kind of reminded me, uh, maybe like a noble variety without some of the spice. So yeah, what? I'm with you on that. This one, the, the intensity was much, much lower, the overall intensity of, of, of this particular sample than the first two we did. Uh, the very first thing I checked was floral. It reminded me kind of of red or purple flowers, maybe, something mm -hmm. like that. So mm -hmm. I'm guessing maybe a little geraniol in the oil. Who, who knows, though, without doing the chemistry. Um, we will be doing chemistry on all of these as well. But, um, so I agreed on that. I, I got a little bit of pine, a little citrus, um, and uh, maybe some herbal grassy as well. Mm -hmm. Next one. So when you when you go back and test, you're testing things like oils and composition. Yeah. So the chemistry can be you know oil content and also um, you know total oil, and then also the the composition of the oil, and then other 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 aspects of the hop as well. Hop storage index, alphas, betas, stuff like that. How's it going? Good. We're uh, we're just recording a little bit, but you want to smell some hops? Cool. Ha, ha, ha.